This is the Kick Aspirational Podcast, Season 1, Episode 11. And I'd like to talk about uh, a few different things today. I want to talk about uh, Rich DeVos, one of the co-founders of Amway, who just passed away this week at 92. Big, big week for Amway, big hole that Rich left us. Um, some of our values. And a question that I had um, in Hong Kong about a year ago when we were launching there, uh, asking me, uh, what are some of the big experiences that have changed your life working with Amway over the years? Um, and it ties back into some of the founders', founders values and how I think we express those uh, as a brand and as a business. So, um, and I'll, I'm going to tie it into uh, a conversation that uh, was, was actually very civil, but the, a long conversation that happened on my Facebook page this week about Nike and the Colin Kaepernick um Sorry if I'm pronouncing the name wrong, but the Colin Kaepernick ad that they did um, about systemic injustice. So, um, so let's get into this a little bit. So, for starters, um, Rich DeVos was the founder of Amway. He and Rich DeVos are co-founder. He and Rich, he and Rich DeVos and Jay Van Andel co-founded Amway in 1959. Prior to that, they had been uh, Neutralite distributors distributing Neutralite supplements from the late 40s until 59 when they started Amway with other Neutralite distributors and. Um, my family is from West Michigan. Um, my dad's uncle was Jay Van Andel. So we kind of grew up very aware of, of Amway and, you know, these founders and their values. Um, but frankly, I didn't know much about the business until I met Scott Kuhn on an airplane, became a distributor myself and uh, Amway business owner or an independent business owner. And um, until we started building the business and then started Excess and became a vendor. And then, of course, Excess got acquired by Amway and I became a uh, you know, an executive at Amway for a while uh, through that earnout period, and and so first, let me tell you a couple stories about Rich. I posted one of these on my Facebook page, and, and I think this kind of tells you who he was and who who Jay was as well. Rich and his wife Helen, Jay and his wife Betty, uh, were very down to earth, and their values were very important to them. And freedom mattered, mattered to them uh, at a very deep level. They invested in it heavily their whole lives as they understood it, and uh, and did it with the best of intentions. And um, there's four fundamental values. If you come into the Amway World Headquarters, you'll see them on the wall. Freedom, family, hope, and reward. And um, part of how they lived those values uh, was by expressing those the best that they could. You know, Rich and Jay always wanted to own a business together. Uh, their first business after World War II was a flying service, uh, Wolverine Air. They ended up selling that company and, and buying a sailboat because they wanted to go on an adventure for them, I think entrepreneur, uh, entrepreneurship or opportunity and adventure were always tightly bound together. Um, they did one so they could do the other, and then they'd come back and do the other so they could get back to business. And um, so at any rate, uh, Rich and Jay, at some point, they had sold Wolverine Air. They bought a sailboat. They didn't know how to sail. They had to learn how to sail as they were on their journey. And um, they, their goal was to sail down around Latin America. Uh, they left the United States, had the boat recocked, I believe, in Cuba, and it was caulked differently than it was in the U.S. And so, so about, I don't know, three miles off the coast of Cuba, the boat sank. And this is in 19, I think, 48. So, you know, there's no GPS. I don't even know if they had radios. Um, you know, they probably had a flare gun and a compass and, you know, a sextant or something. You know, they could, so they could navigate by the stars. At any rate, um, a freighter picked them up. And they didn't quit. They didn't stop their journey because it was never about a boat. It was about their, their life together. And so they continued you know, kind of hitchhiking on tramp steamers and they had a little film camera and they shot movies. Now, the funny thing is my dad had told me when he was a boy 
that um, that Rich DeVos and his dad worked for two of my great uncles, John and Martin Vanderveen. And John and Martin had a, like a men's department store in Grand Rapids. And, uh, and, and when my dad was about eight, when Rich and Jay had come back from this trip, they would show a little movie they had shot and narrate this adventure they had had. And so my dad went to see it with his dad. And he, he, my dad had said to me, he said, David, you don't understand. The late 40s, nobody bought sailboats and went sailing around Latin America. It's literally, it was like going to the moon. Um, it was just this, these two wild adventures. It was really crazy. And um, so anyways, fast forward, you know, I've, I've been around, you know, I've, I'd met Rich DeVos a number of times and uh, I knew him a little bit. Not well, but, you know, I, I knew who he was, obviously. And uh, after we had been acquired in 2015, I was at a Christmas party that uh, Doug DeVos and Stephen Andel throw. Uh, it's an Amway Christmas party that executives go to. I was a new junior executive, and I was there. I was at the bar having some some festive beverages. And Rich DeVos and Helen, his wife, showed up and surprised everybody. And that's kind of a big deal because, you know, he's the, Jay uh, Van Andel had died in 2004, I believe. His wife, Betty, had died about a year before. Um, so Rich and Helen were the two surviving founders and having them there was a big deal. They're, you know, Rich just died uh, this year. He was 92. Helen died last November. Um, you know, and those leave big holes in the company, big holes in our culture when they, when they leave us. So anyways, Rich and Helen were there. They showed up. And of course, a lot of the senior executives go over to say hi to Rich and Helen, as they should. They're the, they're the, you know, the important people in the room. And, and I kind of stayed near the bar. I, I just didn't, you know, why would Rich want to, want to talk to me? You know, there's a lot of more important people in the room. And, uh, and all of a sudden, Doug called out. He said, hey, David, he said, uh, my dad wants to talk to you. And so I walked over, you know, and, and I was really honored, obviously, uh, but also obviously other people wanted to talk to him, so I didn't want to linger too long. And, and Rich, you know, started chatting me up, and he said, he said, David, he said, uh, you know, we have a long history between the DeVosses and the Vanderveens. And I said, uh, I said, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm kind of aware of that. I've, I said, you know, are you talking about did, did you and your dad used to work for my two uncles, you know, Martin and John? And he said, yeah. And, and we talked about that for a little bit, and Rich told me some stories, and and I asked him, you know, I've been dying to know about this film. I said, Rich, do you remember this film that you shot when you were with Jay on this trip, on this adventure in Latin America? And he said, yes, yeah, I do. I said, you know, my dad told me about this. And I told him, I, you know, said how, what an impact that made on him as a young boy. And I said, do you still have that film? Is there any way um, that I could see that film? I would love to see that film. And Rich said, you know, no, they had kind of lost that. He didn't know where it was. But he'd tell me some stories, and it was, it was fun to see him and talk to him. It was, and he was very warm. I mean, this is part of Rich's legacy. He's always been down to earth. He'll literally look around the room and pull one of the junior people up and talk to him and, and sit down and just have a casual conversation. It's a very special person. You'll see, you know, thousands of stories from people over the years at Amway about that, how he would you know, walk through the, walk through the company and just sit down with somebody and have a conversation and find out what they're doing and what mattered and who their family was and what they were, what they were trying to accomplish. Really just a wonderful human being, uh, both he and Jay and, and their wives. And so anyways, we had a great time and a great conversation. And it just reminded me of how important the values are, even though those founders are gone now, they've left us. The values that they created for this business have stayed behind. And which reminded me of a conversation I had a year ago in Hong Kong where the GM of Amway Hong Kong said to me, David, can you tell, uh, tell our staff, it was an employee meeting, you know, we were, we were launching there. Can you tell our employees, can you tell us some stories about the way that, you know, where, 
working with Amway has really changed your life. And I said, well, for me, it all comes back to these, these founders' values that you see in the world headquarters, freedom, family, hope, and reward, and how we apply them every day, and how we apply them when it hurts, when it matters, when it could cost us our jobs, or it could, it could get us in trouble. And um, I said, you know, when, when we were acquired, when Amway bought Excess, Doug DeVos said to me, we're not buying Excess to make it like Amway, we're buying it to, to transform Amway, to, to infect Amway. Um, because we were different. We were a lifestyle brand. We weren't made inside. And, and so we had, not only, not only do we have to grow our business to meet our growth KPIs for the acquisition, our growth key performance indicators, but we also were supposed to work to try and help the organization transform itself. And we took that seriously. And about a, you know, at the beginning of, of our three-year period where this acquisition was happening, um, there was a big Supreme Court case where the justices... Uh, you know, made, I think it was a 5-4 decision um, in favor of same-sex marriage, that if, uh, you know, you were two guys or, or two, two women, you could, you, you can get married legally in America, and it was going to be upheld uh, federally. Some states had started passing it. And, you know, I, I had mixed feelings about that, um, not about same-sex marriage per se, but the process that, that it went through to get ratified. I, I kind of thought it should go through the states and then get you know, get ratified uh, by the federal Congress because that is the process to pass law. And I think when the when the courts kind of sidestep that, it needs to be for a really important reason. And I wasn't sure if that was important enough. And I'm sorry if if that offends some people. I'm just, that's where I was when that happened. Um, and, and I actually was in favor of same-sex marriage. I just didn't, wasn't sure about that process. And one of the things that, uh, that I read about that decision was from... Um, Justice Roberts, Chief Justice Roberts, he said, you know, don't celebrate this as a constitutional legal precedent. He said, you know, basically, we, we sidestep the process. He said, but do celebrate with your friends who are same sex and have wanted to get married and do have that right and do have that freedom. Now, do celebrate that with them, whether you agree with them or not, essentially. And, I, and that struck me. And I said, you know, that's really important. When these values are so important to us, particularly freedom. That and and you know, with Amway, we're just focused on financial freedom. We don't tell people. We specifically stay out of social freedoms, political freedoms, and religious freedoms. We that's something that you know our business partners need to figure out on their own. It's not our place to inform them how to think about those things. Our job is to help them get financial freedom so they can make those other choices in their lives. And so. I think that when our ABOs, when our business partners um, have these freedoms in their life, gain these new freedoms, we need to celebrate it with them, whether we agree with them or not. And I would say in particular when we, in particular when we disagree, that's when it really matters. Because if we only celebrate with people and we agree with them, with new freedoms they have, then what are we really doing? You know, it's, that's not really freedom. And we're not really understanding freedom, I don't think, appropriately. So... We had a picture of a, we had an image of a can, of an excess can, with all the different flavors. And we had used this image years before. Um, we'd actually done a towel out of it. And it was like, like one, one can, many, many flavors, I think was the, was the idea. It was, you know, we were an energy drink with a lot, of, a lot of flavors. That was basically the simple concept. And we specifically didn't do it as a rainbow because I didn't want to get into a confusing conversation. Um, so I just said, look, this is about flavors. This isn't about politics. You know, that's how we did it originally. But when the Supreme Court justice decision came out, um, 
and it was very controversial. And a lot of brands, especially emerging lifestyle brands, um, were celebrating with people who had gained new freedoms. Uh, we did something that we felt was very low key. You know, we didn't post a rainbow can. We posted this many flavored can, and we just put one little hashtag on it that said "Love Wins," which we thought was, you know, it was a it was a nod to our some of our some of our biggest business partners are gay. Some of our key staff are gay. Um, some of our vendors are gay. You know, and so we wanted to just tip our hat to them and celebrate with them and say, hey. It wasn't a statement that we agreed or disagreed with it. It was simply saying, congratulations, you got new freedoms. And that created a small firestorm. Unintentional, but it created a small firestorm. And um, some distributors really thanked us. They said, you know, I never knew if I was safe in this community to come out and let people know that I was gay. Um, I feel like your brand gave me permission to be who I am in this business and, and a funny thing about our business is it's very close. Uh, the relationships are very deep. It's very personal. It's more like a family in a lot of ways. In fact, you know, when when my wife and I went platinum in the 90s and you came to Ada, Michigan, to the Amway World headquarters um, because you had risen to a high enough level in the business to be recognized uh, directly with the company, um, they would say, welcome home. Uh, you know, you're part of the family now. My cousin uh, Barb Van Andel said that at one of our uh, parties recently in China. She, she said, you know, um, this business is, 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 and I don't remember exactly what she said, but basically she said, when you join this business, you join our family. You're one of us. You're part of who we are. And so for us, it's a very personal business. And it was, it was touching to have leaders, you know, send me notes and say, thank you. I feel like I can actually be who I am now in this business where I didn't feel like I could do that before. You know, because some of the people are so conservative. And, um, and by the way, people have a right to be as conservative as they want to be as well. Um, but some of our more conservative uh, business partners got very upset by the post. And even some of them tried to get me fired over it. Um, and, and my comment back to, uh, you know, there was some, we were all kind of kicking this whole thing around. There were some executives at the company who thought I did something bad. There were some who thought I did the right thing. And um, I just said, look, we've got these four freedoms on the wall. We've got these four values on the wall. One of them's freedom. And I'm not telling, I didn't tell people how they have to vote or how they have to think about this. But I do think we have to celebrate this, this value of freedom with our ABO partners, with our staff when they win these new ones, particularly if we disagree. Otherwise, it's not really freedom. And so we ended up keeping it up. Um, we were also encouraged not to be so, quite so controversial. <laughs> But I think that that's part of progress, that's part of moving forward, is recognizing um, that we don't have to agree and that we, there is room in a free country and in a free business, in a country, in a, in a company that's based on freedom for people to have healthy disagreement, to have dialogue and discussion, and to respect each other. Um, and so that was a, that was a, a big uh, kind of learning process for us and, and I think for, for our business in general. Another time... Uh, this was before before that. This was maybe five or six years ago. I was in the UK, and we were launching a new product, and we were throwing a party. And um, one of our one of our business partners in the UK identifies as a woman, so he dresses as a woman at times, and particularly at a big festive event. And he's tall, so he's probably six five or so. He's taller than I am, and he showed up uh, dressed to the nines in a dress and with his hair down and with with heels on. 
And, um, and I noticed at the party that it was a big DJ party. There's a lot of dancing and we had some great excess cocktails. I noticed that some of our business partners were kind of pointing and laughing at them. And if you really take this idea seriously, that we celebrate freedom and that it is a family, um, in my family, we would love you regardless of how you identified. And so uh, even if maybe we didn't understand it. And so I just said, you know what, would you like to dance? And I invited him out and we, we danced together on the dance floor. Um, it wasn't a slow dance, but we, we danced together. And I wanted to just say, hey, look, this is an excess party. We are family. This ABO is one of our family members too. This, this business owner is one of our family members too. And we're going to celebrate with him the way he likes to celebrate. And I'll also celebrate with you the way you want to celebrate. And um, it's not something that, you know, I felt, <laughs> it's not something I would naturally do. Um, but it really felt good to recognize and encourage and, and engage with somebody who was living their values, their freedoms, the way they viewed it, and that we were supporting them the way that they wanted to live their life, which I think is what we're all about. Which brings me to, I think, the third story, which was when we launched the Ukraine. And I've talked about this a little bit before, but I think when you hear these other two stories before, it helps the Ukraine story, uh, it helps kind of put the Ukraine story in perspective a little bit more. You know, when um, we were launching the Ukraine, uh, we were planning it in 2016, I believe, and then we launched, I think it was 2017. So basically, um, when Yanukovych was president there, before he was ousted uh, through revolution, we were planning the launch of excess. We launched in March, and the revolution was in February, so just before it. And that's uh, so why I'd been going into the country. We'd been planning this. We knew there was a lot of unrest. And he was, he was ousted because basically he had promised that they were going to clean up the corruption in Ukraine. You know, there was so much corruption that you couldn't really even invest in the country because if you built a business there, somebody would, bigger and stronger would come and steal it from you. Um, that's the simplest I can, as, as I can explain it. And so, you know, he had promised he was going to align with the EU and they were going to put in anti-corruption measures. And then Russia, of course, didn't like that and offered them more money, uh, with no anti-corruption measures, and um, and that became very controversial in the Ukraine. They had big, uh, a lot of unrest in Kiev. They had over a million people go through Maidan Square, and they staged a revolution. and uh, And some of our uh, business partners were part of that revolution, and at least two of them were killed in that revolution. It became very violent towards the end. Uh, there were Russian snipers who were shooting um, protesters, and and two of our ABOs were killed in that. And so in March, you know, so literally there was no government. Um, there was a civil war that, you know, was starting at that point. Russian troops were massing on the Crimean border and had, had taken over part of Crimea. And um, uh, we had 10,000 business partners, uh, business owners, Amway business owners who were coming across the country to Kiev to come together, celebrate the launch of excess uh, and have an excess, you know, have excess launch events. And, and we were going to continue to go on with the launch. And, um, and so there was a point where I, uh, you know, they, our business partners at Amway said, David, you know, because they didn't own the company, then we still owned it. They said, David, you don't have to come into uh, Ukraine. It's, it's dangerous. There is no government. There's no police. Uh, we can't guarantee your safety. And I said, well, let me ask you a question. Are our uh, Amway business owner partners, are they all going to be coming to Kiev? And they said, yes. I said, are 10,000 people going to be there? And they said, yes. And I said, well, I think if we take our founders' fundamentals, you know, Rich and Jay's I uh, value seriously, particularly the freedom, I think I have to go particularly when it might cost me something, particularly if it's dangerous, particularly if, you know, even if I might get killed, 
because that's when it matters. That's when supporting those values actually get traction. And that's when you demonstrate that you actually believe in it. And so, so I went and we had an amazing launch. Uh, it was one of the most moving things I've ever done. I did some, uh, some patrols with some of our ABOs because there weren't police. So we would put on these orange helmets and, and just do some patrols, you know, for safety for the, for the city. Um, and it was just, it was an incredibly moving time for me. And it was really clear when I was there, I said, uh, you know, in one of my talks, I said, look, I have no business telling you how to vote in this country, whether you voted for or against Yanukovych, whether you're for pro-Russia or anti-Russia being involved in your country, that's, that's your business. Um, we're here for one very specific reason, to help you get enough financial freedom that you can have those kind of choices. And uh, in fact, I, I think I mentioned this before, but a friend of mine saw me on Facebook posting from Ukraine and he said, what are you doing, David, what are you doing selling sodas in a revolution? Um, and I kind of laughed and I said, well, you know, I'm not here to make money. I'm here to support people expanding their freedoms, particularly when it's dangerous. And um, I actually ended up writing a long form essay for Sojourners uh, called, I think it was called uh, Selling Sodas in a Revolution, uh, A Cure for Human Bondage. And um, it was all about this experience I had in Ukraine. You can look it up on Sojourners, David Vanderveen, Ukraine, Sojourners, you'll, you'll find the article. But... Um, you know, I basically said, look, our business, and this is what I'd said to my friend, is about helping people get a very basic freedom, economic freedom. Because when you can feed yourself and you have that right to self-determination, then you can actually think about and, and determine the higher freedoms, social freedoms. Who are you going to marry? How are you going to identify? Um, who are you going to associate with? Political freedoms. Who are you going to vote for? What kind of country do you want? What should your constitution be? And religious freedoms, which I think are the highest freedoms of all. Who are you going to worship? We're all going to worship somebody. Make sure it's somebody that, that you want to worship, that you, that you really believe in, that is going to be bigger than you and, and help you progress and become a better human. Um, but I said, if, you know, the problem is if, and I, I said, we have no right, we are very clear, we have no right to tell people their social freedoms or their political freedoms or their religious freedoms. They need to figure that out for themselves. Our job in this business is to help them establish financial freedom so they can figure the other things out. And so this week, as, um, as I was reflecting on Rich Passing, the Founders Fundamentals, some of these big moments in my own life working with Amway where we really had to kind of bet the farm on these values. And, and you know, I, I actually got in trouble for writing this article too. Uh, uh, some of our friends in Europe thought it was political, and I had to point out that it's not political, that... If we don't go in, if we don't support people when freedom really matters, and if we don't talk about it, if we don't talk about these freedoms, um, then, you know, what are we doing? Maybe we need to take it off the wall, take that, the value of freedom off the wall if we're not going to bet the farm, if we're not going to support it, if we're not going to invest when it matters. And um, which led to another big conversation this week, uh, which was... Um, the whole Colin Kaepernick and Nike conversation. And I posted a picture of myself wearing Nike to work out and saying, you know, I was cho choosing my brands a little more deliberately. And of course that spawned a little conversation. And I like to have controversial but civil conversations on my thread. I think it's healthy. And sometimes I change my mind. Like I didn't understand Black Lives Matter at first. It took me a while to come around on that. Um, because I thought it meant Black Lives Matter more than white lives. When really what the founders were trying to say is Black Lives Matter too. Um, because you know their perception was that there was a tremendous amount of systemic injustice 
in how people of color have to deal with police. Um, one of the facts that the Washington Post, which has the biggest database of police violence, um, they said, you know, if you're Hispanic or black, there's a 50% higher chance or high, higher likelihood that you will have a violent interaction or harassment with a police officer than if you're white. Um, the numbers, surprisingly, they said, and uh, there's some Harvard analysis that have both said that the the numbers of unarmed civilians who are shot are statistically insignificant. Um, doesn't mean that the killings are insignificant, but the statistically it's, it's hundreds of people with, you know, hundreds of thousands of interactions, maybe millions of interactions. So the numbers there aren't statistically significant. Um, but you will notice that, you know, there's half of the unarmed civilians who are shot are black. Um, uh, I'm sorry, half the number of white, if you look at the number of white civilians who are shot, half the number of those are black, but blacks only represent 10% of our population. Statistically, it's insignificant because it's a small number of people who are unarmed and shot. But I think if you're harassed regularly, it starts to feel like you're being targeted. And um, at any rate, I'm not trying to uh, really argue this. I had had a conversation with one of my friends who disagreed with some of this. He didn't think that Nike had a position where they had the right to back Kaepernick. And he wasn't sure about Kaepernick taking a knee during a national anthem. And I think people have every right to question that. Um, I have a dish on my desk from, it's a quotes Thomas Jefferson, where he says, you know, um, a little rebellion now, now and then is a good thing. You know, I, I pointed out that our founding fathers thought that we would have con continued revolutions in this country because we would probably have to keep resetting the government because once government gets entrenched, power tends to corrupt and absolute power tends to corrupt absolutely. And we'd have to change it out from time to time. Um, you know, fortunately we've only had one civil war, but, um, as we were discussing this, you know, my comment back to my friend Cam was I said, look, um, I don't think, you know, he was commenting on Nike's uh, track record with factory workers. Um, I pointed out that since 1998, they've actually been one of the leaders in, in improving the conditions of people working in factories that they don't own. Nike doesn't own factories, but the factories that produce their shoes. Um, they've committed tens of millions of dollars to increasing pay and, and improving conditions, uh, which is leading the industry, by the way. Um, and I said, look, I, one, I, I don't think for someone to protest systemic injustice, you have to be perfect or you even have to be good. I just think you have to care enough to protest it. And I said, you know, the flag is not sacred. Our national anthem is not sacred. Our founders never designed it to be that way. They thought it was going to be a continuing experiment, that we would be continuing, continuously improving our country, hopefully. And I said, if somebody wants to take a knee during the national anthem in protest because they feel that there is systemic injustice, I think that's their right in this country, particularly, a, a, you know, a, in my opinion, a very respectful protest. They're not burning the flag. They're not desecrating the flag. They're taking a knee. Um, I guess originally they were sitting and then some of the soldiers said, hey, that's disrespectful. So they took a knee instead. I mean, I, I just think that it seems to me that they're, you know, they're trying to do it in a way that's respectful anyways. Um, and not everybody's going to agree with this. And I get that. And that's fine. Um, please chime in on my page. If you disagree, it's, it's fine. I just ask that you be civil, that you don't call people names and you use facts and we have a factual conversation. Um, because I, that gives me an opportunity to change my mind too. And I'm, I think, you know, I think truth progresses. Uh, I think we get better over time and I've changed my mind over time. Um, and I'm open to that. 
but I think it's important that we have dialogue. I think it's important that we have discussion. I think it's important that we have the freedom in our business, in our personal lives, and in our countries where we can have these conversations, where we can celebrate people's freedoms, particularly when we disagree with them. And if we see or sense or are concerned about systemic injustice, that it's okay to put a spotlight on it where we can actually look at the facts, dig into it together. And if, if there is, if, you know, one of my friends, Maurice Posley, is, uh, he's won a Pulitzer Prize for his investigative journalism at the Chicago Tribune. He now works for the Innocence Project. They've gotten over a thousand people off of death row in the last decade just using simple DNA tools that we didn't have before, which means thousands of people over the years have been executed who are innocent because of prosecutorial misconduct and police misconduct where they just want to get, they just want to close the case. So they'll find somebody and they'll, you know, it's usually a urban minority that can't afford legal counsel. And so they're the ones who, who get, uh, who, who get hung or electrocuted or, or killed. Um, and I said to, to my friend Cam, I said, look, um, it looks like, you know, the numbers of unarmed civilians who are shot are statistically insignificant. Um, but I said, when you give the state the right to kill, that is a very special reserved right. And it has to be treated with utmost respect. And we can't afford to get it wrong. We have to err on the side of not killing in that case. In fact, you know, the U.S. is one of very few countries that still executes people. It mainly only happens in Asia. It doesn't happen in Europe anymore. It doesn't happen in South America anymore. Um, and if we're getting it wrong, and if we're getting it wrong by the thousands, that's a real problem, and we should probably rethink it. Um, and, I, and it's the same thing. You know, our, our police live in one of the most weaponized societies on earth. We have more guns per capita than any country in the world. Yemen is a distant second. And, and as a result of that, we have more violent crime. Uh, people, you, people may want to argue, maybe it's not guns, maybe just we have more violent people. But there does seem to be a pretty strong correlation there. And I'm not saying what the right solution is. I happen to like Swiss House, the Swiss manage guns, but um, I'm not advocating a solution. But I think it's well within the rights of people in our country, football players in our country, when they have a spotlight during a national anthem, when they're African-American and they feel a sense of systemic injustice. The Washington Post reported if you're Hispanic or black, you have a 50% higher likelihood of being harassed by police than if you're white. If they sense that, if they grow up with that, if they feel like they're being judged by the color of their skin by our our, our uh, police officers or the court systems, um, yeah, I think they have a right to pro to a peaceful and respectful protest. And uh, and so that was that was the conversation we had had this week. And you can disagree with me, and that's okay. Um, I'm very happy to have people disagree, and I'm very happy to to host some of those civil conversations because I think again that's how we learn and grow. But as I was reflecting on um, the founders of Amway, and, and now that we have, we've lost them, and some of the stories in my life where um, we kind of had to bet the farm on some of their values, and, and it almost cost us a lot more than, than maybe we had, um, we had thought at the beginning. Um, that's where it touches you. That's where you start to care really deeply, and that's where I think it ultimately matters. This is the Kick Aspirational Podcast. I do appreciate your input and your feedback. Um, these opinions are purely my own. I'm not representing my brand or Amway on this. I'm only representing myself. But I think the stories hopefully help inform us about what ultimately matters, these values, and how we interpret them, and we can interpret them differently. 
And ultimately, I hope that we have room to discuss them and to be open to new ideas and to be open to facts that maybe we didn't see at first and to allow truth to progress as we go through time together. Thank you very much. Please send me uh, emails or messages. I'm David Vanderveen on Facebook. I am David58, D-A-V-E-E-D-5-8 on Instagram. And um, you can also hit me at uh, david at kickaspirational.com or on the kickaspirational uh, Instagram page on Instagram. You can DM me at any of those places. Thanks a lot. Have a great week.